We are, we are at number two in our Ignite series. And uh, we are talking for the next few weeks. I, I took a title from one of Bill Heibel's books. Just Walk Across the Room. If you haven't read the book, you can get the sermon series ahead of time. Just go buy the book and read it, and then you can just send your tithe in. You won't even have to come. Um, but it's a, it's a powerful encouragement to be involved in the work of Jesus Christ in the Great Commission, especially on the local uh, scene, which is where God has assigned almost all of us. Now, when we go into a, an evangelism sermon, we will pick one of the statements of Jesus that we call the Great Commission. Mark 16, 15 is what I picked today, and we read where Jesus said to them, Go into all the world, preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. And then often we will add to that or perhaps even start from Acts 1-8, which says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when we start reading those scriptures, you start getting these various responses that you have developed if you've heard these things before. This is, unless you're just brand new in the Lord, this is not the first time we've talked about giving your faith away and that sort of thing. When we talk about evangelism, we get these varied reactions. I think most of them are negative. I'm too shy. If I, if I just, and, and see, I, I was born shy. I think you're born one way or the other. You can tell if you're shy. Uh, shy people, when they get really, really tired, are refreshed by solitude. Outgoing people, when they get really, really tired, are refreshed by fellowship. And, of course, usually a shy person and an outgoing person marry. That makes an interesting uh, relationship. But um, this I'm too shy thing, and so I say to myself, well, if I were just like Eunice, then I could witness. And uh, when she's been feeling badly... I'm always relieved when she gets out and gets into a store because I know she's better on the first and the second, that it will make her better secondly. But I'm too shy. Others say, I don't know the Bible well enough. Others say, I don't know the answers to many questions about my faith and, and religious faith. And uh, if some of us, if we were honest, we would say, I've tried it and it doesn't work. Doesn't is, is the contraction of dud not, uh, if you wonder what doesn't means. Uh, doesn't work. And uh, there are many other reasons, and, and, and we do these things because we, um, we have this reaction, and, and the, the preacher uh, usually comes and just takes dead aim right between the horns and shoots us with guilt. And some of us preachers are really, really good at that. We can make you feel terrible 
when we had an opportunity to make you, you know, increase your faith, well, we just said, nah, not today. They, they've been naughty. They deserve to feel rotten. I don't know that that goes through a preacher's mind. I don't think I ever had that thought before, but anyway, it's, it's a thought. Now, I want to, in this series, talk to you about a new way to think about evangelism. And the first one is, do you think the people with whom you interact should have life, the life, the way you live it? Do you, is this like, man, those guys need this peace I have. They need this joy I have. I was, I was broken hearted and Jesus has healed me. I mean, is it, is it exportable? You see somebody that, Husband and wife, and they just beat on each other all the time. You know, they just beat each other up, and, and they become very good at it. And um, you look at them and say, man, if they could have a relationship with their spouse like I do, it would be a new world for them. Do you hear what I'm saying? Do you have anything worth giving? is maybe just cut through the fat. Is your faith exportable? You know, if you're going to make money in the export business, you have to be selling something of value. It has to be something people will pay good money to to receive it. Um, I have a friend in... Eastern New Mexico, who bought a a pecan operation and um, paid several million dollars for it, and he is exporting most of his pecans today. They go to the Far East, and he is just paying for that that whole deal about every two or three years. I mean, it's like cash. It's just. Something that they want in the Far East, and he has high quality, and so they will give. Is what you have, the way you live, the way you treat your fellow workers, the way you treat your boss, if you're a manager, the way you treat those who work for you, if you're a student, the way you treat your fellow students and your teachers, if you're a teacher, by the way, thank you, teachers, if you don't know all these, all these actresses up here are school teachers. But like them anyway, they're, they're good people. I mean, sort of. Um, no, they're wonderful. Put up with your stinking kids or you, you stinking kid or whatever. Boy, I, I, this, is, this is the day that we are going to seek, if possible, to offend everyone. So, so that if I can't make you feel guilty, I'll just make you hate me anyway. But these, how do you treat, do, do, do the way you treat your these people with whom you interact throughout the course of the week, is this something that someone would want? If it is not, don't tell them where you go to church, okay? I told you I was going to try to offend you. 
You see, the joy of the Lord is our strength and the peace of God. You know what the kingdom of God is? It's not a matter of dietary rules, the scripture says, but it's a matter of righteousness. That's right relationship with God. Peace, you know what peace is? You can sort of tell people who have peace. They're a lot easier to get along with than those of us who are at war with ourselves and everyone else we can get close to. And joy, that's the kingdom of God. Righteousness, peace, and joy. It is in the power of the Holy Spirit. And this, this is a thing that I want to make very clear before we go any further in this Ignite series, in this Walk Across the Room series. I want you to so enjoy the Lord. Cherie was leading us to love the Lord. That sort of worship is healing. These people who stood up here with her, or, or sat some of them, uh, at least one of them, uh, as I was, I'm looking, going around the circle and the drummer was sitting, but everyone else uh, standing. But that bunch pray and seek the Lord to try to help us receive the joy of the Lord, receive a healing touch of the Holy Spirit. And, and uh, if you come in with your little fist up toward God, it is their goal for you to be able to relax that and lower that and open your heart and they pray for you and they work toward you for that reason and for that goal. That is the will of God. They have received a, a charge in their hearts and they've picked up that, that chore to do that for us, to lead us in. Now, those of you that already have, are in the kingdom of God, righteousness, peace, and joy, when you come in, you can help from where you sit. As a matter of fact, through my experience, there are people who stand on this platform that lead me better than anyone else. And there are people who don't stand up here that lead me. I'm talking about lead me into worship more than anyone else. There was a great big uh, crowd if you don't know Kraut, that's a, that's a person of German descent. And uh, when they were new in the country, why we called them Krauts. And when the Englishmen came over, they got called Limeys. And when the Italians came over, they got called um, Wops and Dagos and all kinds of wonderful things. And so we do that when new people come to the States. So when new immigrants come, we will have a name like Kraut for them. And I hope that it's not really that negative, but just if they didn't teach you that in school, this is really special knowledge. <laughs> and I don't want your education to be limited. So there was this guy, and he was an executive at the, uh, at the local uh, GM assembly plant. And he was a deacon. And... Uh, he also played trombone, so he and I'd be sitting next to each other playing trombone in the service, and he, he just had to put that horn down and start worshiping the Lord. And about the time he did that, I would, <laughs> I would just kind of explode on the inside. There are guys and gals that can lead me, and you never know who it is that you might be leading. Lead by just worshiping. Just give worship to the Lord. Now, that's a... 
That is good. You could say amen to that or do something better. Send money. I don't care. I, uh, the, the next thing is the joy of the Lord is our strength. And if you haven't gotten this faith thing down where no matter what happens in your life, no matter what kind of adjustments you have to make, I know that we have lost jobs. Uh, some have had, had bankruptcies because of the economy and, and crummy stuff, or some, some of the bankruptcies perhaps are connected with uh, medical things, et cetera, et cetera. And you say, I just can't be joyful. <clears throat> let, let me say this. If the Lord wants you to be joyful, then you have a choice. You can be joyful. Don't say, I can't be joyful. Say, I refuse to be joyful, because that's the fact. It's like forgiving. The Lord wants us to forgive. And so no matter what someone does to us, no matter how they abuse us or use us or embarrass us, I have found that whatever happens, if you go to the Lord in prayer and ask him, and I'm the guy that, that, that says, says this. I, I go in there and I say, now, Lord, here's, here's so-and-so. And in the name of Jesus, I forgive them. And then I pause, and you've heard me tell this over and over again because it happens to me all the time. I say, now, Lord, you know I don't forgive them. That's not true. I want to. If you come and work it in me, I will manifest your forgiveness. And you know what? So far, in every case, he has come, he has worked it in my heart, and it's a real deal. Now, you can do that with Forgiveness, you can do that with the joy of the Lord. You can do that if you had to declare bankruptcy and you are so embarrassed and it, it, it cramps your style now because things that normally you should be able to obtain in life, you can't because of that's on your record. You know what? God is larger than that crummy circumstance. The Holy Spirit is not intimidated by what has happened to you. Now, the short form of what I want to say is Get over it. However, that seems so unloving, doesn't it? You felt that, didn't you? It's like, what? You're, you're, you're supposed to be loving on us. Well, okay, I will. I will do that. Get over it, please. No. 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 Yes, get over it. But here's, it, it, it's not just get over it. We have to be led out by God. We have to humble ourselves. We have to put ourselves in his hand. We I, humility is the deal. This line, when I say, in the name of Jesus, I forgive so-and-so. And then that line is, now, Lord, you know that's not true. That actually is humility. You, you have to have the gift of discerning and, or gift of interpretation or something to know that, but it is. That's not, it's not like, bless God, I can do this. I can't do it. But God can. And he is larger much, much larger than my blockheadedness. Man, I love hanging out with him, especially when some of these things in life get difficult. When circumstances become really tough and things become distasteful in our lives as far as having to survive them, there is one who has been through the whole deal before us and he loves us and he will 
come and make work in our life that which he asks us to have in our life. I remember when I figured out that what God demands, he has to supply. How are we going to do it? How am I going to forgive? I was born not only as an introvert, I was also born with, with a little malfunction in my brain that, that would tend to temper tantrums. Now, at my house where I was born, that was not allowed. One time I was allowed. Well, I did it once, and it was disallowed at that time, and so it didn't happen again. And I'm grateful to God for that because I could have grown up to be one of these jerks that tries to control his world with his anger. Don't you hate to be around people like that? No, you don't be around people like that. You avoid them. And God was good to me to put me in that home. But also, there is this glitch in my brain that more than the average, more than the average, I collect grievances. You call it holding grudges. It's just like, I'm well equipped. Now I know that that's a natural thing. But some of us are better at it than others. Uh, that is to say, more natural. But you see, God, it, he uses the same standard so that whatever you do more of or less than, he works it so that Jesus is the standard. And if I were a grievance collector and lived on that level, I would not be in the ministry, probably would not be claiming to be a Christian because I was put into a circumstance in the second pastorate where I was given some, some real opportunity to just get grievance, bitterness, grudge. And you know, bitterness will take you out. And that's where I learned to pray my morning prayer on the Lord's Prayer so that every day I get down to that place that says, forgive me of my sins as I forgive. And then you look for somebody to forgive. Well, every day of the world, there was, the, when I would say, Lord, whom do I need to forgive? There was this face, life size right there. And so I got to work on it. And I got to kind of undo this grievance collecting, this collecting of the little stuff, you know. I, I, I picked up, I didn't, I didn't uh, coin the term grievance collector. I was reading a paper once on um, marriage counseling. And this uh, author was talking about one of, their, one of his clients that uh, the, the husband in this troubled marriage was a grievance collector so that when he saw a cobweb in a closet, he would just note the date rather than going, and it's gone. Now, that's a grievance collector. That's, you have a description of how my mind works. And you know what that is? That's almost as stinky as the way your mind works. It's really bad. And you know what the Holy Spirit does in those deals? He comes and just takes us up. It is not acceptable to be a grievance collector. It is not acceptable to have a bad temper. Okay? Now, I'm talking about personal victory that God will work in the person who will go to him and say, God, I can't do this. 
preacher has nailed me again. He's, made this, he's raised the bar higher than I can reach, and I'm disqualified unless you come and help me. And that prayer, dear one, if you will pray that prayer and hold that posture, Lord, it's not going to happen unless you come and make it happen. You hold that posture and watch what God does. You can actually be a nice person instead of short-tempered or a grievance collector. You can actually be fun to be around instead of controlling. You don't believe that. Well, I'm talking about if you have a faith that you is good enough to share. And so this is just, this is just uh, actually it's not part of a witnessing message. It's just a little free thing here. Do you think the people with whom you interact should have life the way you live it? And the next point under number two is it is time to get our faith released to bring us peace and meaning as we talk about converting others. I love it when people witness so powerfully with their life that when someone is in trouble, though they have never, ever talked about the Lord or church, a person in trouble will come to them and say, what's, what's different about you? Because they've got to have help and they're looking, they're looking for someone who has a handle on this deal. So God bless you. Now, number three. Another thing to think about in this evangelism, and this is not a new way to think about it, is uh, there's a fact of humankind being eternal and will spend eternity with Christ or separated from him. And separated from him is a euphemism or a euphemistic phrase for really, really awful, awful facts. Don't, be, don't spend eternity separated from Christ, okay? That's just, don't do that. That's not a good one. Now, we're talking in this, in this series, and we will get to it, but the thesis is just walk across the room. That means leave your circle of comfort and walk over to where uh, it, it could be kind of a fearful thing and just speak to someone and and. Start a conversation. Now, if you think you're shy like I think I'm shy, that's even more intimidating. But uh, if you think you're shy, uh, good. You got to be something. And if you're not shy, that's fine too. It'll make it more easily uh, obtained for you to enter into a conversation with people. But if you... If you think you're shy, just memorize questions to ask them to get them to open up and, and, and listen carefully. It's not about some powerful personality deal. It's about the fact that people are going to be lost eternally. We have the words of eternal life. Are they worth getting out of our comfort zone and taking the risk? Are they worth it? If they're not, you need to go back to the prayer closet and ask God to give you something of his heart for lost people. 
and this walking across the room was demonstrated by Jesus. He took a walk across the room, that is, the cosmos. He came from a circle of comfort that was incredible. In the Trinity, there is all of this love, fellowship, humility toward each other, admiration toward each other. It is comfort. It is a comfort zone beyond our imagination. And Jesus walked out of that and walked across the room. Philippians 2 describes it like this. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now, that's the long walk. And you don't have to take that walk because Jesus already did, and he died once and for all people and for all time. Now, people have died for their faith. That can happen. We're not used to it much in this country, but um, uh, Ted mentioned... Uh, Pastor Hike, he was the general superintendent of the Assemblies of God in, in Iran. And it was back in the 90s, was it, or the 80s, 80s or 90s, when, uh, when he was uh, martyred. And uh, he was just picked up and they tortured him and killed him. And other leaders, um, including a member or two of his, his, of his family, have also died since then. These people, the, Iran is the place that, you remember I came back from Lisbon, the, uh, the uh, Assemblies of God World Congress, where these guys from all over the nation, from all over the world, and each nation has its own general council. There is not an international Assemblies of God. It's all a series of national, like the general council of the Assemblies of God of the U.S., and we're a member of that, and then we have this fraternal organization. Uh, almost all of these groups have been started by our missionaries, and they, it's called the Indigenous Church, and it's a powerful way. I came back from that meeting talking about the buzz among us there was this Iranian guy, and one of our guys was talking about evangelism, and this Iranian said, we can do Anything you can do. We can witness. We can have public meetings. We can do anything that you can do in the U.S. if we're willing to die. You remember me telling you that. I still think about that regularly because it's just... And those guys are still facing that. And, and um, 70 at least were arrested over the Christmas season. But here is, here is the wonderful thing about that church. You see, we are used to comfort. And I'm, I'm, as, I'm as big a fan <laughs> of comfort as anyone I know. I love comfort. Please, if I've got a headache, I used to take aspirin. And I found out that gives me ulcers and I bleed. But, you know, just Tylenol, anything. I don't want to hurt. My pillow is bad. I go find another one. 
if your shoe doesn't fit, get a different pair. Do something. No discomfort. Well, that's a natural thing. I don't think I'm probably worse at that than you. I'm worse about something, but not that. that you're, we all fit there because that's just reflex. And in a manner of speaking, it's like we try to make this heaven. But this is not heaven. This is where we work. Ted, again, mentioned wanting a reward <laughs> in heaven. And when I see people like the countries where he named and what it cost them, and they're going to stand in the same bunch being judged in which I stand, I think, I'm not going to get anything. I hope I get to stay, you know, because the comparison is so terrible. Now, the Lord, for some reason, put me, maybe he knows my need for government. put me in the U.S. But uh, I guess if you believe in reincarnation, you could say, well, they were not in their last life. That's the reason they were born in Vietnam or whatever. I don't know. Except that doesn't fit real well in the gospel because Jesus paid for all sin. So you don't have to be reincarnated to pay for your sin. And that's good news. But here's the deal. We are not in heaven yet and we need to work here and I want to call this congregation to this business of we, I, I want to invite you into the, the farming of the kingdom of God. There is a variety of processes involved in getting a crop and getting a harvest, a variety, many things uh, involved. I could, I could get uh, John Epperson who actually grew up on a working farm and I don't some of the rest of you may have done that, but I worked on a farm. It was in northern Oklahoma, basically a wheat farm. However, this guy also ran uh, between 250 and 300 head of cattle, so he was a little rancher, and he just worked day and night, basically. And so I, I, I went to work for him when the harvest of wheat started. This is about the first or second week of June. And uh, we went through the harvest, and then we started plowing. And in the meantime, he was doing some other stuff with other fields because he needed to raise some feed for his cows and different things. And I remember they were preparing this one really great-looking field. It's probably uh, in, I'm going to say, only 80 acres. And in his, in his scheme of things, that wasn't a very large field. But he was going to plant something that was going to, related to the cows. And so they plowed it and then they started harrowing it. And then they got that thing and it just looked beautiful. And he went and looked at it and he said, we've got that soil worked down too tightly. And there is a, an implement, I don't know whether they still use it on farms or not, but it's called a spring tooth. And that's just what it was. It's just steel fingers and they, they're curved, I suppose this long, and they just, and you can put them down where they will break up soil that's not just hard, but like that was too firm for the planting of the seed. So they, a lot of processes. Now, I went in when they were harvesting this wheat, and this guy was such a big operator that he had two of his own self-propelled combines, brought them out, did his 1,000 or 2,000 acres of wheat and put them back in the shed. 
and instead of using the custom people who came through and uh, in the Great Plains states you can see all summer long these guys moved north and started in North Texas and go all the way through Oklahoma and etc. Well, in the giving of the gospel of Jesus Christ, here's, here's what I want. I want to be willing to go take a look at the field and just make a contribution by kind of organizing what we're going to do with this field. I want to be one that gets on the tractor and plows that rascal. I want to be one that gets on the uh, it, that gets the spring tooth because spring tooth can also break up some of those clods that are, and do that or if the harrow is called for. And then finally, I want to be one that, and you don't plant wheat, you drill wheat, in case you didn't know that. Another contribution to your education there. And uh, we, <laughs> this guy's running all these cows and so when we couldn't be out in the field why we could go clean out cow sheds and he had a manure spreader that we would load this residue of the cow in here and and then you they'd pull it out across the field and it would make this stuff fly 40 feet all kinds of stuff comes to mind and I'm watch this discipline watch this not one word. All kinds of stuff is necessary to get a harvest. Now we, I want, you know, I've, I've led a few people to the Lord. I mean, the one that prayed them through. Oh man, that is so exciting. You have to scrape yourself off the ceiling. How often does that happen? Not very often. You know, now, when people respond in a service, I, I can't really take the credit for that because you're the one that brought them, and I know that, so I, that, but you see, I want to be involved. So, the Lord gave us the picture of the different kinds of soils. Not only are these different uh, items of the process, but there's also these different soils. So that some soil you sow in, you're not going to get anything out of it. But there is good soil. And uh, thank you for giving me such great material. What, three out of five people that they're witnessing to, this is in this Islamic country. And by the way, we just get the media thing and all of that stuff. But, but Iranians are really dissatisfied, I understand, with uh, with our charming little leader over there. And uh, it's working for the gospel of Jesus Christ. These young people are dissatisfied. Islam is not working. And they, since 1979, when uh, Ayatollah Khomeini uh, and, and the Islamic Republic was, he, he was the leader of that and it came in and the Shah of Iran was deposed, listen, it hasn't been a good, it hasn't been a good run. And uh, 31 years now, not, not, a good, not a good thing. And these kids have grown up and it's like, this is not any fun. Is, this, is there anything better? And they're receiving Jesus Christ. And see, this is what we're about. This is why we are here. 
and the people in your neighborhood, the people with whom you work, your dear family members, they've had to put up with you all of your life. You owe them. Bring them the love of Jesus Christ. And let me just say this before I bring this one to a close. When we realize that we are just a part of the farming process, you don't have to be a harvester. You don't have to be a harvester. You have to be on the farm team. You are one of the farmers. You may plow, you may break up clods, you may sling that stuff that fertilizes. Um, you may actually be the one that harvests. Just be on the team. And here is, here is the way that works. You just walk across the room and you give yourself in love and concern. It's someone you don't know. Maybe you do know them. You become the best listener they ever had. And you establish a relationship. And if you don't get, and so many times, you won't get to be the one that, that uh, harvests that crop. You, you, you're not going to be driving the combine that takes out this huge swath. It doesn't matter. The Lord's keeping the records. And we are on the team. And we're going to depopulate hell. We must depopulate hell. The gates of hell cannot stand against this kind of an attitude in the spirit. And we will break those gates down and take those that are held captive. May we pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I bless your name. I thank you for these who love you. Lord, they... Uh, they